Hello and welcome to another episode of the Moonpool. Um, so today I'm going to be reviewing Wings of Fire, Book One, The Dragonette Prophecy, and I have not actually finished it yet. Um, but you know what? I have like 70 pages, like 50 pages left. What else can happen? Okay, what else can happen in 50 pages? I have to get an episode out today. Um, but yeah. Um, so I'm going to be uh, saying some of my thoughts on it, and also, most importantly, analyzing the personality types of Clay and Tsunami. Um, and I will go slowly and explain why, uh, I think that there are those personality types and, like, what the, yeah, and evidence and stuff, um, yeah, <laughs> if you don't know about them, the personality types. Anyway, uh, so I wrote some notes as I was reading it, and then I, and then I, like, I didn't finish writing the notes, uh, but I, I got very passionate about what I believed here, so let's see, um, from when I was starting to read it, I wrote, It's infuriating to me that the teachers, mostly Kestrel, call Glory lazy just because she's a ringwing. It's not even because of anything she's done. It's solely because of her tribe. In fact, she's said to work and, work and study harder than any of the other dragonettes, and she hardly ever complains. Also, according to Clay, the teachers, quote, growl at her and call her a mistake a lot? What kind of teachers are they? Because they're clearly unqualified to be teachers. Okay, uh, next bullet point. Whenever one of the dragonettes constantly complains, sorry, whenever one of the dragonettes complains about the fact that the teachers constantly bully, bully them for little to no reason, the teachers say they're being ungrateful and it's for their own good. Constantly yelling at them is for their own good? They're right to speak up about it. Like, I, like it's good that they're, like, that they're, like, taking care of the dragonettes, but, like, they shouldn't, th they should be treating them. There's no reason for them to treat them badly. Okay, next. Uh, Tsunami is amazing. She was instantly my favorite character because she actually, like, stands up for herself in the other dragonettes. And, like, she doesn't just, like, yeah. That sounds extremely cheesy, but, like, it, it's, okay, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I also love Glory right away. Uh, this next bullet just says, Moro Seer seems like a con conceited jerk. Uh, which he does. He just seems, like, interested in, in his own tribe and, like, yeah. Uh, another reason the teachers are terrible, they chained Tsunami to a rock and threatened to chain, chain the other dragonettes, too, just because she spoke up, up about the unfairness that was going on. And when Sunny defends Tsunami, saying that she's a good leader and, quote, if anyone can save the world, she can, Morosir says that they should just actually be looking up to Starflight, since he's a Nightwing, and Nightwings are all good leaders. And the first thing that is wrong with this is, Morosir just got here. He doesn't know any of them. So who's he to say who's the best leader? Secondly, he's clearly just saying that because Starflight is a Nightwing like him. Uh, the adults here are really going hard on the tribe-based stereotypes. First with the Rainwing stereotype, and now with the Nightwing stereotypes. This particular Nightwing stereotype is a good one, but it's almost always inaccurate to say that everyone in a group shares a specific trait. Thirdly, what if Starflight doesn't want to be the leader? What if he's perfectly fine with Tsunami being the quote boss of the Dragonettes? The rest of the Dragonettes certainly seem fine with it. Also, I love the fact that Tsunami urges Clay and the other Dragonettes to escape the cave without her, even though she knows full well that she probably won't be able to follow, and it was her idea to escape in the first place, and she seems passionate about it, so good- yeah. <laughs> I also, um, love that when they chain Tsunami, she immediately starts loudly singing in protest. I just love how rebellious she is. Not just that, but she knows when she's being un un treated unfairly or taken advantage of, and she's willing to speak up about unfairness. So this was also early, relatively early book. Uh, I love the plot so far, and, and I love the concept that the prophecy isn't going to plan already. I feel like prophecies in books always seem to line up perfectly, and this one may do that too, but at first it's not looking promising, which I love. That's just all I wrote. Uh, uh yeah, but, um... But I do have some other stuff. How long? Okay, this is episode is like three minutes long. Almost four. But, uh, okay. I do have other stuff, though. But anyway, um, I think it's a good book. I did get kind of boring in the middle, but they're just in the Skywing Kingdom and stuff is happening. Uh, but it was very, like, grabbed my attention right away, um, in the beginning. 
Um, yeah. I also, Glory said that she was just waiting for the right moment to do something. Like, there are so many good moments that you could have done something and, and like, opened your eyes. Like, bestie. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. Okay. Now, I am going to be analyzing the personality types of Clay and Tsunami. So, Clay. Um... I said Clay was a nine because, okay, first, uh, this is slightly unrelated, but he's very loyal to his friends. His teachers say that it's not normal for dragons to love other dragons so much. Um, and throughout the book, Clay references his inability to find the, quote, inner killer that his teachers wish he had. That seems to be a great source of conflict for him. At the very beginning of the whole book, Kestrel's trying to have fighting practice with Clay, and Clay keeps asking to talk it out and not fight instead of Kestrel just yelling at him the whole time. This also happens when Clay is fighting the Icewing Dragon in the arena. Clay's main focus seems to be on protecting his friends and keeping the peace. Now, you could say he's a 2 because his main priority is protecting his friends, but I would say he's a 9 with a strong 2 fix, because he's more focused on keeping the peace, and his main conflict is with the fact that he has a hard time summoning the ferocious inner killer he doesn't know if he has. And 9s are very focused on peace and comfort. Clay also does show a desire for comfort um, and peace and just kind of like, um, like a desire for just to be kind of chill. Um, and he desires belonging too, like he really wants to find his parents in the Mudwing tribe. And I also think that Clay's social instinct is most dominant in him because he's most focused on helping other people and keeping the peace in a social situation. And if you don't know, nines are the most type that's very uh, peace-seeking, conflict-avoidant. They'll do anything to avoid conflict and um, they struggle with having like a sense of their own identity um, and like who they are outside of just making other people happy. Um, yeah, and they're just generally, like, chill vibes. Um, okay, next, Tsunami. Uh, oh, by the way, this is specifically Enneagram. I forgot to mention that. Um, so, Tsunami is constantly fighting people she doesn't agree with. This is her main form of protecting herself, and she will lash out physically if she feels she's being threatened. And she's also relatively impulsive. Uh, she pulls tricks on people, and this is unrelated to that. It's just in the same tenets for some reason. She seems very loyal. Very, like, us-versus-them mentality. Um, that's also unrelated. This is just random thoughts. Um, when Kestrel chains her up, her first instinct is to rebel and she starts singing so that Kestrel will be annoyed. And when she's chained up by the Skywings, her first instinct is to try and fight the guards. If someone has betrayed her trust, she's not afraid to just cut them out of her life. She does not stand to be treated badly. When there's an option to save Kestrel near the end, Tsunami only grudgingly agrees to do it because Clay wants to. Even though Kestrel kind of raised her, she's uh, fine turning against her because, um, Kestrel was never, never treated her well. And she's very loyal to her friends and pretty much nobody else. And now, why does this make her an Enneagram 8? Well, 8's fear of being controlled or harmed by others. That is definitely what Tsunami seems to fear, and she seems to want to choose her own path in life, which is also something that 8's desire. Um, for example, when, you know, they've just been holed up in this cave underground their whole life, so Tsunami's like, what if we just escaped on our own? And, like, what if we didn't follow the prophecy? Like, what if this is our destiny to escape? Like, we don't, like, it's, it's boring being holed up in here, why don't we escape? Um, and another personality type trait of AIDS is that they tend to not want to be vulnerable, and they always have to be strong, and they can't show weakness. What, which Tsunami doesn't seem to struggle with that. Uh, for her, it's more about the control and protection aspect and making her own destiny. And she really wants to forge her own path and not let others tell her what to do. I think, I think eight fits her best because of that, despite her not struggling with the vulnerability aspect. Eights are also good leaders and protectors, and it's clear that Tsunami is the unspoken leader of the Dragonette group. When the dragons are acting out the death of Queen Oasis, Kestrel catches them and says she knows Tsunami was the leader of the group without even having to ask, and she's right. 
And when Moro Sierra tells the dragons that they should take orders from Starfoot, Sunny interjects that Tsunami is the obvious leader of the group, and if any dragon is to have a great destiny, it's her. They all agree that Tsunami is a born leader, and she's very protective. Eights are also known to not like being told what to do, and they will re- rebel against someone that is treating them badly or someone they love badly, which Tsunami certainly does. She is the most rebellious against Kestrel and the other teachers. She does not let anyone push her around. I think that her dominant instinct is social because she's very others-oriented. She manifests her eight energy through helping and protecting those she's very close with, with the other dragonettes, and not trusting those she doesn't like. Uh, I was going to also- oh, this episode is really short. I was going to also do Peril's personality, but Peril's personality is kind of an enigma for me. Um, she seems to be very loyal to Queen Scarlet, um, but also, like, I don't know, she seems very, like, possessive. Um, honestly, I don't know. I feel like she could be an eight or a six, but I feel like she's not a six because she doesn't seem to be very suspicious or, like, very fearing. Like, she kind of latched on to Clay right away. But, hmm, she also doesn't seem to want to show weakness, so maybe she is an eight. But, like, she did, like, latch on to Clay pretty quickly. Like, she did, like, like him pretty quickly, so that makes me think she's not an eight. So her personality is just kind of, like, an enigma for me, but, um, yeah. What else can I do? Uh, I haven't... Oh, I guess I can do predictions for the next book, even though I'm not done with this book. Um, actually, I should probably should wait till I'm finished with this book, but I don't know. Maybe they're gonna go to their, like, homelands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, like, go to their, like, they said they really wanted to go to their homelands. I feel like Peril will come back and be a villain later. Um, I feel like that's what's gonna happen. Um, uh, Peril, I started off really liking Peril, but then I just did not. She's, like being possessive and stuff, uh, that's not great, um, yeah, so, um, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what else to say, um, I, I mean, I guess I haven't finished, so I don't know, I feel like, yeah, but they just, re- they just rescued Sunny, and we still don't know where Starflight is, um, but I feel like they're not gonna find Starflight till, like, the end of the next book, uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening to this short episode of The Moon Pool. You can find and follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can... What else can you do? Mm, what else can you do? Oh, you can leave me a voice message, uh, link in the description, the link to send me an email, and check out my blog or also in the description. And bye!